just ran into my program director. He hugs me and he says, oh, a little girthy there. You son of a bitch. It's not girth. It's muscle. And I'm wearing two sweatshirts, so you're girthy. Real talk, though. My belly button is getting all kinds of pierced at the end of the month. I have zero shot of having that six-pack by January 27th. It's not happening. Now, I will look damn good when the spring rolls around. But I don't think I got a chance in hell by the last Monday of the month. It's not going to happen. I drank 15 beers on Saturday night. My Mountaineers won. They're now the second-ranked basketball team in the country, baby. They're damn good. And their second-leading scorer is coming back on Saturday from last year. Hadn't played all season. I know y'all don't care, but that's why I got drunk. Watching the game, celebration, and then the more you drink, even though I hadn't had anything to eat all day, that was probably part of the problem, I needed to eat a pizza. So I did. And then I was hungover on Sunday. So I had to eat a burger. And then today my boss told me that I was girthy. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. The Steelers and the Jags on Sunday, baby. Boy, do they stink. Their defense is good, but I'm telling you, the Steelers are going to roll them. And here's why. Them Stillers, they're hankering for some revenge, baby. They want to avenge the Week 5 loss to this Jacksonville team that lost 3 of 6 down the stretch. They want to avenge their loss to a Jacksonville team quarterback by Blake friggin' Bortles. Ben said on his radio show last week, quote, For me, personally, I'd love to prove that 5 interceptions wasn't me in that game. End quote. Ben threw 5 picks. It was the worst game the Steelers have played all season long. It's one of the worst games of Ben Roethlisberger's career. One could argue, well, Adam, that's because the Jacksonville defense is so good. It is. But the Steelers did not know who they were back then. They had no idea what they were doing on offense. It's like when the season started, they forgot everything from the year before. It was perplexing to me. Ben was playing like a quarterback who retired in his own mind during the offseason. Le'Veon Bell... Came to training camp late, and by that I mean didn't go to training camp. He was so late that he wasn't there. And the Steelers' offense suffered at the beginning of the season. Different team. Jacksonville, on the other hand, they're kind of a different team too. Matt Williamson told me, and we'll have him coming up at 440 today, that Jacksonville could put a wrench in the home field advantage situation for Pittsburgh and New England because their schedule was so easy down the stretch. And what they do down the stretch, 3-3. Three and three. So Jacksonville's not great either. They might be the three seed in the AFC, but the AFC's stinky. Aside from, of course, the top two teams. So the Steelers go into that game. They didn't have an identity going. Ben Roethlisberger, oh, I don't have it anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to retire. Oh. Five interceptions. In the second half of the season, Roethlisberger's played like an MVP candidate. Ben will not play as poorly as he did against Jacksonville the first time, the second time. How do I know this? Because it's almost impossible. He hasn't been that guy for the last eight weeks. And really, for the majority of his career, he's never been that guy. 
So it ain't going to happen. The Steelers' offense, I think, will move the ball against Jacksonville. And if the Steelers put up 24 points, I'm calling it right now. You put up 24, it's over. Peace. See ya. Go back home. Suck on your binky, Blake Bortles. But it's not just Roethlisberger that wants to rebound. Tim Benz wrote a really good column in the Trib. It is also the defense that wants to rebound. Rebound. Rebound? Rebound. Rebound? Rebound. Rebound? Rebound. Whatever. Cam Hayward said this to Tim Benz, quote, If we force them into situations where they have to pass and they can't run the ball, we can really create havoc and really force that quarterback into some bad mistakes. Ding, 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 ding. Blake Bortles stinks. That's who he's talking about. But the Steelers didn't stop the run the first time these two teams met. In fact, they didn't stop it at all. In Week 5, the Steelers gave up 231 rushing yards. That's a lot, Johnny, including a 90-yard touchdown run by Leonard Fournette. They're right about Bortles. We'll get to him in a second. But this game reminds me a lot of last year's first playoff game that the Steelers played against the Dolphins. I think the Jags are better than Miami was because Miami was terrible and they had just snuck their way into the playoffs. They weren't good. Matt Williamson said that multiple times on the program. Miami last year, not great. Just like Detroit. They made it in, but that's only because the NFL has to have six playoff teams in each conference. Only reason they were there. So the Jags are better than Miami. But hear me out. In the first game last year against Miami, Ben had a quarterback rating of 57.1. Now it's nice on the side of your Heinz bottle, but 57, my God. He talked all week last year about needing to be better the second time around. He was. He had a quarterback rating of 105.3. It's really good. 105.3. The Steelers doubled their offensive total. They scored 30 points in the game. And I expect a lot of the same stuff this time around. Because the Steelers, like they did with Miami, know what to expect. And they're also motivated. Because Ben stunk it up Miami last year. He also stunk it up against Jacksonville this year. The defense did the same thing. Steelers defense last year against Miami in the playoff game, very good. Steelers defense in the first meeting with Miami, very bad. Oh, boy. 222 rushing yards, 6.2 yards per carry. You know what they did in the playoffs, Miami? 52 yards, 2.5 yards per carry. That's bad. The Steelers know they can't be bad against the run in this game. They knew they couldn't be bad against the run in that game. They also know that Bortles can't beat them, just like they knew that Matt Moore couldn't beat them last year. The Steelers will stop the run much like they did last year because they're determined to. The Steelers have been doing a very good job recently of game planning for a given opponent. Steelers played the Patriots. What do the Patriots do all the time against Pittsburgh? Well, you're in zone, they'll carve you up. Example A goes back to 2001, and example F goes to last year in the AFC Championship game. Uh, They will expose you that way. So what the Steelers do, they played man coverage. Houston sucks. They played Houston. There's one guy who doesn't suck. His name's DeAndre Hopkins. The Steelers, they put Joe Hayden on him. He shattered him all over the field. The Steelers know your weakness on the defensive side, and they're going to try to exploit it. So in this game, expect a lot of in-the-box against this running game, Leonard Fournette, Chris Ivory. And I think that they'll shut them down. I do. I think they'll force Blake Bortles to beat them. And, oh, not going to happen. Much like last year against Miami, the Steelers are looking forward to exacting some revenge on Jacksonville. And even though the Steelers lost 30-9 to the first time around, I feel confident 
about their ability to beat Jacksonville. What do you think? You feel confident? I do, for sure. In fact, I'll give you a score right now. 24-13, bam, done. Steelers, over the Jags. Don't even play the game. Are you confident like I am? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Man, I thought they were going to get to play Titans. I thought they were going to get to play Tennessee. Didn't happen. Tennessee stinks. They're going to get just ravaged in New England, aren't they? Remember Dick LeBeau's defenses with good players getting crushed by Brady? Yeah, well, now it's Dick LeBeau's defense with bad players in Tennessee. A lot of points going to be put up. Tennessee stinks, but you know what stinks more than Tennessee? You know who stinks more than Tennessee? I'll tell you, it's Blake Bortles. God bless him. He tries hard. I feel like that should be on his football card. God bless Blake Bortles. He tries hard. Maybe put it on his tombstone one day. He does. He's tough. He was getting smacked in that game, and he kept running and running and running. Didn't have it with the arm, so he did it with his legs. That's good for him. God bless him. He tries hard. Unfortunately, I don't see things getting better with the arm. Because get this, people. He seemed scared. Did you watch the game? If you didn't, I don't blame you because, my God. It was 10-3, to the final score. I mean, what is this? 1920? He seemed scared. That was at home in sunny Jacksonville in front of 70,000 Jags fans. The only time they're going to sell out a damn game. They're all fired up. The atmosphere's all pro Jacksonville. Gorgeous day in beautiful Jacksonville. You know what he's walking into on Sunday? It's like a prized fight, but the Steelers don't feel like it's the prized fight. They're going to beat the snot out of this guy so they can get on to the big bad guy, the New England Patriots. You don't think the crowd in Heinz Field is going to affect this young man? I do. God bless him. He tries hard. He's tough, but he's not going to succeed in Pittsburgh. He had 87 passing yards at home in Jacksonville against Buffalo. He's going to come to Pittsburgh and play well? Give me a break. He's walking in here. You can already picture it. It's going to be 19 degrees. That's the high. Eight's the low. I wish it would be closer to eight for game time. It's going to be freezing. Although, that actually might feel warm to some Pittsburgh people, but that's exactly the point. It's going to be freezing for these Jags, much like last year was for Miami. Freezing cold. 68,000 people all wearing black, all swinging their towels, blowing their noses in their towels, drunk out of their minds, screaming at one another, yelling at Blake Bortles, and he's going to get out there, take the ball at the 25-yard line after Boswell boots one through the end zone. They're going to be down 7 nothing because the Steelers are scoring on their first drive, and he's literally going to poop down his leg, and it's going to freeze to his I don't know if I'm allowed to say that word. No. Blake Bortles is going to poo himself. He was 12 for 23 for 87 yards at home. With a quarterback rating of 75. What do you got to do to not <laughs> to have a what do you got to do to have a, a 50 or less quarterback rating? 12 for 23 for 87 yards. 87 yards in a playoff game. He was guiding the ball. He wasn't throwing it. There were throws that high school kids make that he's not making out there. And I'm not even exaggerating. 
there were a lot of open players and he was missing them with his arm. And then if you go back and watch some of it, there were a lot of open players that he was missing with his mind. God bless him. He tries hard. He's tough. But he sucks. Now, people are saying, if he doesn't turn the football over, the Jags will be fine. True. But people are acting as though Blake Bortles protected the football. He did not. He did not. It's like if I drove my car to Mount Oliver and left the door unlocked with my key sitting in it and no one stole it, you'd be like, well, you picked a good place to park. That really worked out for you. Smart on you, Crowley. Well, no, I was just lucky that no one busted the window or opened the door and took my car away. Blake Bortles threw at least three passes that should have been intercepted, one that should have been returned for a touchdown but got dropped. (laughs) This guy didn't protect the football. He was fortuitous. That's a great word for Crowley. Year of Excellence 2.0, baby. It is. He didn't turn the football over, but boy, did he try. Because that's who he is. God bless him. He does try hard, and he's tough. Now, I've been right about a bunch of NFL stuff this year, and I don't like to throw it down your throat every time I am right. Just kidding. The Ravens and the Chargers weren't good. I nailed that. I said the Bengals weren't going to be good even though all the talk coming out of Cincinnati was, look at the skill position talent. I nailed all that. And I've been saying for a while that Bortles won't lead his team to victory against Pittsburgh or New England in the playoffs. He won't. And that's because he can't. Because he's scared. He played scared on Sunday. And he's going to play scared in front of the 68,000 people that are there this Sunday. God bless him, though. He tries hard. He's tough. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I had this realization yesterday watching all the games, and even Saturday. The Steelers are the only team that stand in the Patriots' way of winning their sixth championship. The only team. The Saints are really good. They've won 10 of 11 at home, but that's their biggest advantage. They're they're going on the road, and then they're going to be on the road in the Super Bowl. Now, it's a dome, but they don't have that raucous New Orleans crowd screaming behind them. The Vikings, the Eagles, they've got great rosters, but they have huge question marks at quarterback. You think Nick Foles is beating Tom Brady? Uh, no. You think Case Keenum is going to beat Tom Brady? Uh, no. The Falcons, they snuck into the playoffs at 10-6, and six, but they're not close to the same team that they had last year. Different coordinator. The offense hasn't been great, and guess what? Last year's team didn't beat New England either. And if last year's team in that position, we're going to spot you 25 you got 25-point lead. You've got a half. Let's see if you win. They didn't. They're not going to beat them this year. The Jags, they've got Blake Bortles. God bless him. He tries hard. He's tough, but they're not going to beat him either. The Titans, <laughs> they've got a negative point differential. And Dick LeBeau's defense. Dick LeBeau's defense that was shredded by Brady four years when the players were actually good. All that being said, Patriots are feeling pretty, pretty, pretty good about themselves. The only team that can stand in their way is Pittsburgh. The Steelers have an offense that can keep up with the Patriots and a defense that was this close to pulling it off in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh believes they can beat New England. If the Steelers don't, nobody will. I know you want to see the Steelers in the Super Bowl because you love the Steelers, but they need to beat New England or else there'll be another team on the block with six Lombardis. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Matt Williamson coming up at 440. Vince Communal of the Fischler Report and the Point of Pittsburgh will join at 520. The Penguins, how about that? 
gut check victory yesterday. And then Alex Kirshner at 6 o'clock from SB Nation to talk a little bit about tonight's national championship game between Georgia and Bama. We got to hear from our man Braden. We're going to talk about pooping down your leg. That's probably what he's been doing all day long. Big dogs fan. Worried. Up next, if the NFL product really is suffering, then the Wild Guard weekend showed us in one nice, neat little package. It's the Crowley Show. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley like Dallas did. Can't forget we threw the, t- the ball 50 times in week five and barely ran it. When the Steelers threw the first pick six, they didn't have to abandon the run, but then they did. It was so bizarre. The Steelers at that time didn't know who they were. They didn't know what their offensive identity was, and it was almost as if when the going got tough, they said, let's throw it more. Whereas the year prior, when the going got tough, they just gave Bell the ball. I say this all the time. When the going got tough, the bell got going. It's super lame. It's something an old-timey sports radio host might say, but maybe I could say it in a funny voice. Yeah, when it going got tough, the bell got going. This year, it's been a lot of the same. Ben's thrown the ball very well in the second half. They've utilized Bell not as much in the running game, but just overall. Throwing him the football, handing him the football. I don't care how you use him. Use him. You're right, Dallas. That was the biggest issue in that game. I mean, Ben's decision-making is awful, but if you throw the ball 50 times against that defense into the teeth of what they're doing, you're going to get effed, man. That's just the reality. 412-922-2874. It's our man. It's our P1. It's the president, maybe, of the snowflakes. He is Braden. Braden, dude. Are you pooping down your leg? Are you worried about Georgia? you got to be worried. Oh, I've been worried all day, man. I tell you what, I haven't been this worried in a long time. Have you been worried since you saw that it was going to be Bama? Would you have felt a lot better if it were Clemson? I tell you what, I think I think I would feel better if it was Clemson. Um, I think I think Kelly Bryant's worse than uh, worse than the Bama offense, and the Bama defense is just tough as can be. You got faith in Jake from State from? Oh, of course. How much? I, I, I say win by double digits. How much ass does that guy get? Tons. Freshman, All of it. freshman at Georgia in the national championship game. You got a prediction tonight? Do you got one? Uh, dogs by double digits. I'd say, uh, I say, thirty-four twenty-three. Atta boy. All right, Braden. Well, we're thinking of you, man. I appreciate it, man. I need it. Good luck and go, dogs. I'm pulling for the dogs just for Braden. You got to. You got to. Yeah. He's P one. He's president of the Snowflakes. We love this man. Yeah, Braden's a big-time hero of mine on this program. He listens every day. He tweets us every day. Yep. That might be the first time he's called, though. No, that's the first time I heard his voice. I think that's the first time he called. Damn. I met him a couple of times out at the Terrace on 5th. Nice guy. Always wearing his dog's hat. Hopefully they pull it out for him. And hopefully they pull it out just for the rest of college football. Yeah, just for for all of us in general. Oh, my God. That's the thing. But as a, as a dog fan, like, you look up and it is Alabama that moment. Oh, my God. Just like, ugh. It's Blake Bortles pooing down your leg. That's what it is. It's Blake Bortles, wide receiver, middle of the field, wide open, <laughs> and, oh, my God, in the back of his head, he's thinking, I did not want to throw this imperfectly. And then he guides the football it's 10 feet behind him. Braden's got to be thinking, the second that Bama Wins that game. Oh, for the love of God. Because if they win, they've won five out of nine. So I'm a little tired of them. 
And they do it in the most boring fashion ever. We'll get into this at 6 o'clock, but they are clones, man. You just you pull off the Crimson Tide jersey, and whoever pulls it on next is bigger than the guy who wore it before yeah. him. Like It's almost as if they're all wearing tiny jerseys like Joey Porter did back in the day at Colorado State. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. They had, they had Ingram, right? The running back. They get rid of him, and then they bring in, who's this guy? Who, who looks like Goliath. And he's been in pictures next to uh, Ingram, and he's two times his size. It's insane. So it's not like they are risky. It's not like college football football, if you know what I'm saying, where the ball's being tossed all over the yard. They're doing weird stuff. No, they line up. They pound you because they're better than you. And I respect it, but I'm also a little sick of it. More on that later. 412-922-2874. Do you like Wild Card Weekend? Did you? Because I watched. Of course I did. I love ball. I wanted to see who the Steelers were playing. I wanted to scout the field. But I think Wild Card Weekend was a microcosm of everything that's wrong with football. Seriously, if you want to look at the season and you want to wonder about why the ratings are down, the NFL didn't make it very hard to figure it out. They screwed everything up that they always screw up all in four days, or two days, four games. Cam Newton, oh my God, he looked to be so clearly concussed and wobbly at the end of the Saints game, but he got left in, and you knew it was going to be done that way. Because in the National Football League, they prioritize winning so much above everything else. And they might care about player safety, but man, you're telling me Riverboat Ron, Rivera, sitting there thinking, oh my God, Cam's concussed. Yeah, but if he plays, we get a week off, and then he'll play whoever we play, and we'll see if he's okay then. Just get me through this last quarter. I I know your head's spinning. I know blood's coming out of your eyes. I know your teeth are falling out. I know that you don't know what your name is right now, but we need you. So he gets left in, and then, of course, everyone's bitching and moaning, so he goes to the tent, and he pops his head in for a quick second. I mean, my God, I've taken dumps longer than he was in there. He walks in. Maybe that's what he was doing. Maybe Cam Newton walked in there just to drop one where he had to pee or something because he walks into the tent and he comes right back out and they put a new head on him. That must have been it. Unscrew the head, put a new head on. And he comes out, fine. Total breach of the concussion protocol because he should have been removed directly after getting hit in the head. We saw it a couple of weeks ago with the backup quarterback, Nate Peterman, hilariously throwing an interception uh, at the end of the Buffalo game. He was gyrating. On the field. Or maybe that wasn't him. Maybe that was Tom Savage. One of the bad pit quarterbacks. It was Tom Savage. Tom Savage gets hit. He's convulsing on the field. And then he goes right back in. So they said, okay, if there's a hit like that, we take him out. Well, not in this game. So not only do you have the concussion protocol screwing up, but you've got people like me and people more powerful than me, people that are at bigger radio stations, in the national seats, saying they really F this up. And that's what will be talked about all week because we're desperate for content. You stretch every little thing out. By Wednesday, what are we going to be talking about? Well, Cam Newton, they handled it the wrong way. Today, you break down the game. Tomorrow, you break down the game a little bit. Wednesday, you start looking ahead to the next ones, but you're still a little far out. So you talk about Cam Newton's head being destroyed. So it's a week-long conversation about why football needs to die. And trust me, I've had those conversations. After the Bengals game, I told you everything I'd do to change football. So that's been a problem all season long, and lo and behold, it's a problem wildcard weekend. Then you look at the Titans and Chiefs game. Oh, goodness. 
Good finish. Marcus Mariota, by the way, is the best receiver on the Titans. He throws a pass to himself. I couldn't name another Titans receiver. He's thrown a pass to himself. Good for him. But a Mariota fumble was not ruled a fumble because of forward progress. Are you kidding me? If that's not a fumble, then there's never been a fumble in the history of football. He's standing in the pocket. Helmet hits ball. Ball falls out. What the bleep? What? So that was an issue. Not ruled a fumble because of forward progress. It was an absolute joke. But later, there was a fumble when a running back got concussed or knocked out. Ruled down by contact, quote-unquote, on the field. He wasn't down. The ball was clearly out. And Al Riveron didn't even deem that a booth review was necessary. So the first one, you've got an issue on the field. It's a referee making a bad call, and because the call was forward progress, guess what? You can't have it reviewed from the booth. Then the booth screws up by not reviewing a fumble. So you got two screw-ups there. Then the referee who's doing the game retires when it's over. See ya. But then finally, at the end of the game, the Chiefs return what looked like a fumble for a touchdown. It was called a fumble and a touchdown on the field. Then it was overturned. Now, it was clearly never a fumble. The referee needed to see that. Never a fumble. The runner was down by contact, clearly. But Chiefs fans got this false sense of, oh my God, we won this damn thing in miraculous fashion. So they're all jerking nice off about it. If you put the nice, nice. in between, nice, it voids the FCC problems there. That's not a demerit. Get out of here. So all the Chiefs fans are amped up. All the Titans fans are at home putting all the water in their bathtub and preparing the toaster. And then, ah, it's not a fumble. Clearly not a fumble. Everything's okay. I hate that we can't live in the moment. And that's a big problem with the National Football League. You can't live in the moment because whatever happens, you want to cheer, you want to cheer your face off, but you're always looking for a flag on the ground, and you're always waiting for the referee or the official to screw things up. One weekend and all that went wrong. One weekend. That's all it took. A lot of this, by the way, isn't going to be talked about nearly enough. Because who got screwed? The Chiefs, the Titans, the Bills got screwed. Eh, nobody cares, right? Nobody cares. If this kind of stuff happened to the Steelers or the Patriots, my God, the NFL is about to burn. I haven't even brought up the one that's the most egregious to me, the one that bothers me the most as somebody who roots for the Steelers, in the Bills versus Jags game, Jalen Ramsey picked off Nathan Peterman. Right? Did he pick him off? He did. According to the box score. But that's not an interception if you look at what happened with Jesse James. If you go by the letter of the law with what happened to Jesse James, then Jalen Ramsey's interception can't be an interception. What the? Nice. So many Mistakes this weekend. Concussion protocol, referees, booth review, rule interpretation. That's the interpretation one right there. That that should piss you off if you're a Steelers fan. You should scream, Jalen Ramsey's interception should not have been an interception. Or, 
You got to say, if that's a catch, if that's an interception, then how in the sweet mother of God was Jesse James is not a catch? They're both going to the ground. The ball moved in both instances, and I still haven't seen a clear shot of either where the ball hits the ground. <laughs> National Football League. More like Arsenal Football League. Nice. Yep. In conclusion, the wild card weekend was a reminder why this league is taking a step back. Concussion protocol was bleeped up. Bunch of calls were missed. Officials, referees, booth reviewers, interpretation. So, do you enjoy wild card weekend? 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. One other observation from the weekend that isn't, an officials problem or a referee problem or a concussion protocol problem. What the hell is Devin Funches doing in the end zone when Cam Newton throws the football up to him? That should have been a touchdown. Cam Newton did everything he could to win that game, including put a perfect pass right on his tallest receiver in the end zone to win it, and Funches doesn't even jump. <clears throat> jump. Voice cracked there a little bit. You guys a fan of the Bills Mafia stuff? I think they deserve to lose just because their fans are such colossal idiots. Bills Mafia, they throw people through tables. Some of the tables are on fire. They attacked a couple of Jaguars fans. I saw that on TV. What is it about putting on a jersey that makes adults act like destructive children? You put on the jersey and all of a sudden you get to act as dumb as you want? You put on a jersey and all of a sudden you get to throw somebody off of an RV into a table that's on fire? I mean, it's funny. But if I saw my son doing that, I would never let him go to a football game again. What are you doing? Someone's going to wind up paralyzed and with third-degree burns all from the same jump. Like, we're not talking about ATV racing here. We're talking about going to a Bills game. What the hell? I've seen some stuff at Sealer Games. I saw Santa pee down his pants once. That was awesome. I've kind of been there before. But I've never seen people just being destructive for the sake of being destructive like that. Jets fans during the AFC Championship game or the tailgate prior to it, back in 2010, they were throwing full beers at our tailgate from across the parking lot. What is with people acting like jackasses? And Bills fans, they might be the worst defenders of all. Now, they don't know what it's like to win because they haven't done it since the mid-90s, and even then they won so much they'd lose the important game. Uh, but it's just, it's asinine the way that they behave. Nick and Wheeling next up on the Crowley Show. What up, man? Hello, Nick. Hey, sorry about that. You're good, I man. What's up? Um, number one, I just want to say I'm a huge fan. Listen to you every day. Thanks, dude. But uh, honestly, in my opinion, I watched the games this weekend. I don't know what's more screwed up. Either the concussion protocol that's set in place where people can just pop it in out of the tent and be fine, or the whole catch rule. Like, I don't know which one's more messed up. Right I think now. that, you know what, and I think a lot of football fans feel the way that you do, Nick, because in the back of my head, it's screaming out, hey, Adam, you need to care about concussions, you need to care about brains, you need to care about people's futures, and okay, I think that's right, but when I'm watching a game, <laughs> I want to know that the catch is a catch, I want to know that the referees are going to make the right call, I, I want the game of football to have some flow, so as a football guy, I want to see that cleaned up. 
as a human being, I want to see the other stuff cleaned up. I got to run, man. Thanks for the kind words. Got to hit this break. But it, it's it's a it's a my head is split on that one because as a human, concussions are bad. I want to see people live long lives and healthy lives. But damn it, if I don't love football. Up next, this guy loves football. Matt Williamson to review Wild Card Weekend and to look ahead, the Jags, the Stillers. Sunday, it's a Crowley Show. Derek Johnson, the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Chiefs, with a touchdown for Kansas City. Derek Johnson, the all-time leading tackler in the history of the Chiefs, with a touchdown for Kansas City. Marcus Peters ripped it away from Derrick Henry. One of the great plays I have ever seen. Leading tackler in the history of the Chiefs with a touchdown for Kansas City. Leading tackler in the history of the Chiefs with a touchdown for Kansas City. I was so wrong with my previous take. I said I wish that didn't happen because Kansas City fans got all amped, and then all of a sudden you're not amped. It's like a girl's coming over, and you're like, ah, let me pop this blue pill. Then she doesn't come over. And you're just walking around like an idiot for the rest of the day. Or four hours. Anything longer than four hours, uh, you should call a doctor. Nice. Fun weekend. Flawed weekend, though. Joining me now to discuss our buddy... From the Steelers Radio Network, Steelers Nation Radio, and the Locked On NFL Podcast, he is Matt Williamson. Matt, your thoughts on Wild Card Weekend? Uh, NFC was enjoyable, and uh, things didn't go as I thought. Uh, certainly the Tennessee game, I didn't see that coming. And I picked games on my Locked On Podcast every Friday against the spread and straight up, and I was 0 for 4 against the spread. So, there you have it. Now you stink. I don't even know why I have you on the show. Right. I don't know a thing. Is Marcus Mariota the best receiver on the Titans? <laughs> that was pretty interesting, wasn't it? It was, and I know that you you were a believer in Mariota, yes? Yes. Uh, I don't love how this year's gone, but yes. It's the scheme more than anything, correct? I mean, he deserves some heat, too. I mean, he hasn't played great, but I do think the scheme has not helped him at all this year. Was... And, and along those lines... Them being down in the game and having to go hurry up, spread, you know, Oregon-type stuff made Malarkey look smart. Matt, was that the last game, in your opinion, that Alex Smith will play as a Kansas City Chief? Yeah, I do think so. They're, they're, they're real cap-stricken. Uh, they would save $17 million by moving him. His stock is up. There's a lot of teams, I think, that would give a second-round pick or more. And it's the the logical move for everybody. That was a terrible season for Kansas City, as far as I'm concerned. You start off as hot as you as you were. You have the the issues in the middle portion of the season, but then you look like you're right the ship, and then you lose to I think the worst team in the field. Like that can't happen. Awful ending for sure. I mean, awful middle and awful ending. <laughs> you know, to the season there was a stretch there they were really terrible, and there's a couple things obviously in that game. I mean, when Kelsey went out. The offense just crumbled. And I do think Andy Reid, and he's been blamed with this before, deserves heat for not leaning more on the run game, even though Tennessee's defense is really good against the run. But there was two big injuries, too. I mean, it was Kelsey and Chris Jones, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, it's over. You know, and they got some bounces. 
some officials helped them as well. Tennessee, I'm talking about the crazy throw it to yourself thing was pretty big, <laughs> you know, and and one team stuck with the run, the other one didn't. Tennessee has what percent chance of going to New England and winning that football game? They're far inferior. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But I think stylistically, coaching-wise, scheme-wise, they match up pretty well, especially when New England has the ball. I don't think that's enough, so I give them a 18% chance. You have faith in Dick LeBeau's defense slowing down Tom Brady? A little bit, because they're a real heavy man coverage team. Um, they rush the passer well. They stop the run well. I think that they're better in the trenches than New England is. I think Brady will get his, but stylistically, I think that it's a pretty good matchup. Matt Williamson joining me here on the Crowley Show. Jacksonville against Buffalo set quarterback play just ages. My God. I know Jacksonville's defense is really good, Matt. Uh, there's no question about that. But I'm not going to pick them to beat Pittsburgh. I don't even know if it's going to be close if Blake Bortles can't play better than what he played like this last weekend. I mean, he's missing guys who are wide open. He's missing reads. He was he was worse than I even thought he could be. Yes, he was horrendous. And the coaching staff looked like they were trying to give him as easy a throws as you possibly can to get him on track and get him rolling. He couldn't even complete those. And I get that it was windy, but... I mean, it's Jacksonville. I mean, how bad was the weather really? I mean, you know, like right. people have dealt with worse weather this time of year, and he probably will on Sunday. You know, I mean, he's a fair weather Florida guy. He was awful. Uh, there's no way to really sugarcoat it. And then he started running a little bit, and at least made him have some production. But and he didn't turn the ball over, but he was awful. He was, and I just can't see him coming in here. And God bless him. He tries hard. He's tough, but I can't see him coming in here. To Pittsburgh in front of 70,000 screaming fans in Heinz Field when it's 15 degrees outside and playing well when he couldn't even do it at home. That's just me, though. No, I hear you. I mean, that should be a rough environment for him. Let's move on now to the NFC because there were interesting things that happened. I'm going to fast forward to the end of the Saints and Panthers game. And what in the sweet world was Devin Funches doing? What the bleep? You got to go up and yeah. catch that football. That's a that's a catch he should probably have made. That was a good throw. You know what I mean? Like the ball was where it needed to be. Play the ball in the air. I mean, I'm not defending Funches at all, but I do know he's playing with an awful shoulder situation right now that probably he probably shouldn't be in there at all. Doesn't excuse it, but you are in there. I mean, go go make a play for the ball. You're 100% right. Yeah, that was awful. Uh, the Saints, how good are they? Pretty good. I mean, big-time quarterback. I, I just put something on Twitter about Breeze's postseason numbers. They're basically the best of all time in terms of, you know, uh, tight or touchdown interception and, and well as yardage per game. People really played well, and that's a huge advantage, obviously. Um, defenses above average or average running games really good offensive line's good and will travel Saints are tough i mean i tend to think i think the falcons are good but i tend to think that the winner of that viking game is going to super i feel you on that one too matt when looking at the other game uh when you see what atlanta was able to do to uh to what are they now los angeles my goodness the rammies yeah Yeah. rammies Uh, that was surprising to me i kind of thought the rams might beat them by 10 points, but it didn't happen. Why didn't it happen? Yeah, um, some real uncharacteristic Rams stuff. And usually they're great on special teams. And uh, that that can't be overstated. 
was Farrell Cooper, you know, on Atlanta's t- payroll or something for that game? <laughs> I mean, it was bad. I mean, th- those were massive plays. I thought the Rams looked kind of flat to come out, and they also didn't do Rams-like things on offense in terms of screens and play action and getting the ball to Gurley, and Gurley had drops. And Atlanta played great, though. I mean, they was one of them looked like, you know, a professional – business-like team that's been there and done it, and one looked like a young upstart group that should be back. Flipping back to the AFC now, and kind of a hypothetical. In fact, it is a hypothetical. If Alex Smith played for the Jaguars, how good would they have been? I'm not a Smith fan, but maybe the best team in the league. I mean, their defense is great. The Vikings and, and Jags D stand alone. I mean, they're great. The Steelers and Patriots are flawed. You know, they're the best teams in the AFC, but they have their warts. I think Jacksonville with Alex Smith is probably the best team in the league. Jacksonville. Their, not... li- their line and receivers aren't great. No, they're not. Uh, Jacksonville coming in here to Pittsburgh. What do the Steelers need to do? I mean, they threw the ball 50 times the last time against Jacksonville. Obviously, that's not what you want to do. And they, I, I argued earlier, Steelers didn't really know who they were at the beginning of the year. We saw a lot of flawed game plans, I thought, where they'd be a little too run heavy or a little too pass heavy. Now they seem to have found themselves. If the Steelers, what do the Steelers need to do to put up about 24 points? If they put up 24, I mean, there's no shot to me that Jacksonville wins the game. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And to kind of further expand what you were saying, I think early in the year, and Jacksonville absolutely comes to mind, they were baiting the Steelers into throwing. You know, stack the line of scrimmage, a lot of single coverage, even on A-B. They wanted the Steelers to throw, and it didn't work well, and Ben cooked the cheese. I don't think he takes the cheese as much anymore. I mean, I think the, the whole team is playing much better on offense. The quarterback's playing a bazillion times better, and... I think even in eight-man boxes, they're handing it off and relying on Bell, and I think that's really the key is, you know, I think this is a, a really bad matchup for the Steelers but when they have the ball, but I also think it's a really bad matchup for the Jags, and as long as you don't turn it over or allow the deep ball, I mean, I think that eventually this offense is going to score points, you know, that they're going to get to 24. Yeah, I think so, too. A couple of years ago, we saw the Steelers play that Denver defense, and, man, Denver shut everyone down, and especially in the playoffs. And the Steelers, they dominated them at home at Heinz Field, and they really moved the ball on them whenever they were up a mile high. How similar are these defenses? Not to say that they're you know, carbon copies of one another, but I think when the Steelers' offense is rolling and they've even got more weapons now, I think they can put points up on anyone. Yeah, and Baltimore's defense was pretty good, and the Steelers carved them up too. I mean, <laughs> this point. one's better, you know. I mean, and I comparing the Denver one to the to the one we'll see on Sunday, Denver's is better, but both of them are you know really structured well for today's day and age and shutting down the pass. They rush the quarterback well. More man coverage from Denver. You know, they're a little more physical, not physical, but they're more press coverage guys. Um, this one is a great defense. But it's an execution-based defense. You know what coverages they're going to play. You know, they don't outthink you or, you know, trick you all that much. They just have better players than usually who they play against. But in this week, I'm not sure they do. It's close. If you're the Steelers on the defensive side, I think they've done a good job lately of kind of scheming towards opponent. 
Uh, when they played New England, they played a lot of man coverage, which is something that we've been crying for them to do for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Houston, uh, they had Hayden follow uh, DeAndre Hopkins across the field. It's not something they typically do. So if they're game planning for opponent against Jacksonville, you got to stack it, right? You stack the box, uh, stop the run, and you, you got to try to make Bortles throw to the outside, right? Yeah, you know, I think you're right that they went to a lot more man coverage against the Patriots. I feel like the last two games of the year were structured for let's practice some stuff for the playoffs, almost like a preseason situation. Yeah. Like let's, let's let's sharpen our man coverage skills. Um, but this one, I think he'd go back to playing a lot of zone. You know that I, the thing that I fear most when Jacksonville has a ball isn't the run game, and they checked Fournette and checked the first time, by the way. I mean, except for one run, it's the deep ball, it's the blown coverage. It's the mental error. It's the, you know, uh, getting beat deep because this, this team gets beat deep every game. And D.D. Westbrook could get behind you. And then all of a sudden you're in the game. You know, so I think you keep everything in front of you. You stack the box and you play a lot of zone. You would think that would cut down on Bortle scrambles. And you make him throw the ball a lot. You know, I mean, easy throws, but he doesn't even make those. I mean, he threw 14 times in these teams that last time. Yeah, and I'll tell you, in this last game that they played on Sunday, people have said, well, if Bortles takes care of the football and doesn't turn it over, they're going to be fine. And, okay, yeah, that's true. He didn't take care of the football. He got bailed out a couple of times. Yeah, and I don't know that that's enough. You know, like, to play, to, this offense is going to score points, you know, the Steelers. That just handled, you know, not killing the team and not turning the ball over and maybe scrambling for 40 yards. That's not enough to win in Pittsburgh. We'll get into it more on Friday, man. Thank you so much for the time. All right, brother. Talk soon. Later. There he goes. Matt Williamson, Steelers Radio Network, Steelers Nation Radio, and the Locked On NFL Podcast. There are some wacky things that I noticed this weekend in the wild card games. We'll get to some of those. But the Penguins yesterday, they showed some balls, baby. And they did it in a way that I think can give you confidence moving forward. I'll explain. You're listening to The Crowley Show.